You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello listeners, I'm Mo Chatra and welcome to another edition of Money Talks. I'm joined by... uh, Peter McCormack, who is um, the new chairman of Real Bedford. So uh, we'll talk to Peter in just a moment about uh, how he got involved with Bedford and also um, his first foray into football. Um, But also uh, Peter is involved in the world of Bitcoin and he is the host of the very popular podcast, What? bitcoin did so uh, great to have you on peter how are you doing yeah doing really well guys um i'm also a mad liverpool fan yes i gathered yes i will definitely be talking about that as well um obviously is uh one of the podcasts one of the many podcasts on anfield index um you know we we, uh love to talk about liverpool and uh, we'll certainly be coming on to them um during the course of this podcast as well um But for for those of our listeners who are unfamiliar with you, can you just tell them a little bit about you, including what you do, if that's okay? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm from Bedford, and uh, I host a podcast. That's what I'm mainly known from. It's about Bitcoin. Um, I've been doing that for four and a half years. Um, I'm also a bit of a filmmaker. Very early in my filmmaking career, I've made a couple of films about Bitcoin. I've been out to Venezuela and El Salvador. Uh, used to work in the advertising industry. I did 20 years of that, um, but quit that about eight years ago and just fell into the, the podcasting thing by kind of chance and and uh, always had this kind of dream of owning the, a local football club. And, and yeah, here I am now. Uh, you know, I just, you've mentioned Rail Bedford. So the team I bought is Bedford FC, which is a local club. You can't change a, a name mid-season. So the intention is we'll be changing the name uh, at the end of this, this season. Right. Okay, that's great. And we'll obviously uh, discuss that in a bit more detail in just a moment. But before we do, 
you mentioned um, you're a big Liverpool fan. So how, how did you become a fan of the club and, and to what extent are you still able to follow the Reds? Yeah, it's, a, it's just a really stupid story how I became a fan. I should have actually been an Arsenal fan. So uh, that's who my brother supported. And I was about five or six. Um, Lucky escape. He was, uh, yeah, well, he was trying to make me a, an Arsenal fan. And yeah, I was like five, six years old. And I used to always get Liverpool and Arsenal mixed up because they were both the top two teams and both playing in red. And my mum took me, I don't know, how old are you guys? I'm uh, mid-40s. So. Oh, so do you remember those old football bags when we were kids that were like, they were like a uh, cylinder bag and it was one colour and the panels at the end were another colour and it would just say the name of the team on it. Oh, yes, yes, remember? yes. Yeah, so my mum took me down to the market to buy one of those. I was meant to get an Arsenal one, but because I got the teams mixed up, I ended up buying a Liverpool one. And when I got home, my mum was, uh, my brother was like, what, what have you done? You're meant to be an Arsenal, you're meant to get an Arsenal bag. And my mum <laughs> said, well, you've got to keep it now. So I just I just stuck with Liverpool from that day. That yeah, you know, I had to go to school the next day with my football kit. So I was a Liverpool fan. Oh, excellent! Good, good. Um, yeah. So I mean, um, I, I personally uh, went down the glory hunter route. I, I just happened to live in West London at the time, and uh, uh, my best friend uh, was a Liverpool fan. Uh, just as I was getting into football, and uh, so I just I just followed him, and he he supported Liverpool for no other reason than they were the most dominant team at the time. And also because um, fans of uh, the local football clubs happen to usually frequent um, my local area um, as members of the National Front. Um, so that kind of discouraged me and some of my friends from supporting local clubs um, and gravitating towards a team further afield in Liverpool. Well, the funny thing is, is like, you know, being a Liverpool fan from Bedford, you always get yeah. that whole, are you a glory hunter? And it's like, well, no, the majority of time I support Liverpool was during our barren spell where we didn't win the league for 30 years. And well, I know we had some Champions League success and, you know, some FA Cups, but yeah, it was a really, as a Liverpool fan, it was a really tough period to go through because we just didn't win the league. And, you know, we had some, yeah, we had some really tough times under you know, Roy Evans and, you know, fell down against well, the Graham Sunes. Yeah, yeah Graham Sunes. I think we had a cup. We, we we had a cup final. I remember with him, but actually, did we have a cup final where he didn't? He couldn't come because he had a heart attack or something. Um. Oh, don't. Was that Heart bypass. Um. Oh, I I know that we had obviously the FA Cup in '92, um, but I think he was there. Um, if I'm not mistaken. And then I think our next cup final might have been 94 or 95. But I think he was gone by then, if, if, if memory serves. not a great stats, man. Yeah. <laughs> one well, well, for us to look up um, maybe after this podcast. But uh, yeah, I, I do remember him having health issues um, towards the end of his time at Liverpool. And obviously he moved on and then Roy Evans um, then stepped up and stepped in. Uh, but yeah, cer- certainly very difficult times um, and at the same time obviously Manchester United rose and uh, just became the dominant player for, for many many years so yeah they were definitely hard times for us and uh, you know we, we certainly stuck by the, by the Reds through thick and thin so nobody can uh, accuse us of not, of not doing that but uh, just going back to Bedford then so um, you, you recently acquired Bedford and um, you know it made um, you know, stories internationally in the fact that um, uh, you, you reportedly bought Bedford FC um, through Bitcoin. So can you tell us about how the whole thing came about and 
what it took to convince the owner to accept Bitcoin for sale of his club. No, he, he has actually accepted. There's so many things that have been misreported. One of the things I've learned ah. through this is, you know, you tell one story and then it comes out in the press or somewhere else. Yes. Story. He, I'm not paying him in Bitcoin for the club. I'm paying uh, him in cold, hard cash pounds. Um, but what what actually happened, I, I wanted to buy, we've got a couple of teams in Bedford. I wanted to buy one of them for a long time. I've always felt that Bedford could support a league team. And we've, we've never had a club in the football league, but we're a population of 174,000 people. And, you know, being from Bedford and supporting Liverpool, you don't get to see them that much. It's a, especially with kids trying to get up to Anfield is, you know, isn't easy. And it's, quite frankly quite expensive to go and watch Liverpool these days if you don't know somebody you can be paying up to 400 quid a ticket um just for a regular league game and so it's it's a lot of money and um I always felt like we could support a league club here but we've never really had somebody who's had the right plan to do it now uh, I first approached Bedford Town tried to buy them but they turned down my offer and they're doing a great job John Taylor over there is doing a great job there you know top of their division and looking good for promotion and so I approached the owner of Bedford FC, two divisions below, and made him an offer to buy the club. And he said yes. And so uh, that deal has been agreed. We're currently going through legal. And, and uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks that will be done. And then, uh, yeah, full steam ahead and trying to, trying to deliver on this uh, plan to try and bring Football League to the town. Excellent. That's, that's great. So um, tell us about your, your vision for the club, if you may. Um, how, how do you want to develop Bedford FC and, and to what extent is community a part of your plans? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, first and foremost, the first thing I want to do is build out what I think is a, a commercial plan for what is the company around the football club that can deliver on this vision. Because I, when I was originally, like prior to having the podcast, I had a look at it a few years ago and I was thinking, well, there's kind of, two main ways that clubs get to go up through the league you know we all know that player wages dominate things and yes there are outliers Leicester City won the league and it's probably the greatest football story ever let's be honest mm-hmm. um, but generally speaking you need to be able to get a good manager or get good players in and you can do it without that but money certainly helps and so there's kind of two ways that it tends to happen is a chairman will come in and keep putting in his pocket and buying the better players and Eventually, if he ever stops, then it's not sustainable. Then the club's uh, position can reverse, or that locally it can have uh, enough supporters that you know drive the match day revenue and other revenues to be able to to do the same. But either way, it's you know a football club is a business, and it's you know what is the business behind this? Now, I'm not a fabulously wealthy person. I don't have millions to invest in a football club, so that that idea is out the window. And also, Bedford isn't a massive football in town, so trying to get the number of people down to a game to be able to drive that forward again isn't possible. Those those two avenues didn't exist for me. So I had to come up with a new plan and <clears throat> a little bit inspired by you know, what Hashtag United have done, what Forest Green have done, what some of these other clubs have done where they're starting to think about football clubs a bit differently. You know, Can you build a football club around an idea? And I'm in this fortunate position that I have this podcast um, that talks about the topic of primarily it's about Bitcoin and uh, macroeconomics and financial literacy and there's you know i do over a million downloads a month and i've got quite a nice following on twitter and i know all the companies involved so i felt like if we built this club around the idea of bitcoin i could bring in the sponsorships i could get those people who listen to my podcast who are interested in bitcoin supporting the team and that will allow us to build a commercial model that allows us to you know 
go out and get the better players so we can make a push for promotions up through the leagues. Now, secondary to that is that it isn't just about that. And, and it's also something that's become clearer, actually, since I started this project, that actually the community work is, is really central to this. It's what can we do for Bedford? So we are, we've already met with somebody who's looking to come and start an academy for us. We would like to set up a, a team for women. Um, we would also, because one of the things that's happened with the sponsorship, I've, I've been quite successful in bringing sponsorship in, but these international sponsors and in doing so what I've done is I've essentially priced out the local businesses. They cannot afford our sponsorship rates. So what we're thinking of doing is we're thinking of leveraging what we can do internationally to support local companies. So whilst local companies can't afford our sponsorship rates, well, what is it that we can do for local companies for free? What space can we give them around for free? What can we put in our programs for free? What, you know, what can we do for them? And similar in, in terms of, what can we do for local fans? Like what can we do to leverage the, the international support? So I've just got the uh, sat in front of me now. I've got the, the samples for the shirts that we're, we're going to be playing in next season and trying to think about pricing for that. Cause you want to maximize your revenue from shirts, but you don't want to exploit people. Uh, and so we know, you know, the big teams up in the leagues, they will charge 50, 60 pound for a shirt, which would be great. But wouldn't it be great if I can charge, you know, sixty pound for a shirt, but it's thirty pound if you come and buy one at the club. So anyone in Bedford can get a club shirt cheaper. So that's kind of what we're thinking of doing to help support the local community. Excellent, it really sounds good. And in terms of the the business model itself, I mean, is it is it quite um, heavily geared around attracting this sponsorship <laughs> revenue in, in order to give you that competitive advantage to enable? Um, what will become our Bedford to progress through the, the tiers? Because at the moment it is in the 10th tier of, of English football, am I, am I yeah. correct in thinking? T- right, okay. 10th tier, we're right down right. there. Yeah, so in our balance sheet, in our plan, there's there's just line items for revenue. So we have mm. a line item for sponsorships. We have a line item for shirt sales. We have a line item for merchant, general merchandise. We have a line item for... Uh, um, membership and we also have a line item for match day and you know from club to club they're, they're going to change I mean if, if you were a big Premier League club one of the line items they would have is broadcast revenue obviously we don't have that but I think traditionally most local small non-league clubs they rely primarily on that match day revenue so how many people can they get to the ground to buy a ticket to buy a burger to buy a pint maybe even buy a shirt um, sponsorship, they will perhaps bring in some local sponsorship. Um, for us, our line items are going to look very different. Ours is going to be heavily weighted to international sponsors right now. I think it's around £750,000 in sponsorship we've closed already. Wow. And then when we start selling shirts, you know, if if I can sell thousands, maybe over 10,000 shirts, again, that's going to be another very good line item for us. We've got a, we've got a target of 1.5 million turnover for our first year and when i say first year we're running an 18 month first year so the rest of the season and next season um but that's what our target is and that's for a club that last year had a budget of about fifteen thousand pounds so it's a real game changer what i've got to figure out is there's a lot of early interest in this it does is this sustainable will the sponsors renew next year will i be able to sell the same merch next year also if we are successful and we start you know, manage to get promotions. How do we start growing that match day revenue? Because over time, the weighting of those line items are going to change. And what we've got to do, we've got to maximize the opportunity for revenue. 
but at the flip side we've also got to be very conservative with how we spend uh, it'd be very easy when people see us as being you know this club that's quite successful commercially that you get the mercenary players who will come in and just you know, want a lot of money we've got to be careful that we're not taking advantage of because if we do have this 1.5 million revenue first year after we've you know, spent our budget and uh, paid HMRC we want to bank as much of that as possible we want to put that in the coffers for when if we do get up to maybe in the uh, conference south or national league that we have that kind of cushion to invest in the team to maybe make that push for the league or any kind of ground improvements we need to do right excellent um so, so just, just moving on then so with uh the business side of, of running a football club, obviously you've only been involved for a matter of weeks now. Um, h- how much did you know before you came into this project and how much have you had to learn um, whilst you've been, since you've been involved in this? Do you know what? I didn't know anything and, and I'm learning and I'm learning every day and so many different things. And one of the cool things is, is that I've got a, a director. I made a film without Neil Salvador. He's been following me around and filming everything. So I've been, kind of relaying to him all the things I'm learning and I'm learning so much uh, and, and some people question that at the start they said well you don't know anything about running a football club like how are you going to do this I was like no you're right I don't but I know stuff about running a business and I know stuff about media so what's what I don't have on the football side I have on the media and business side and you know I know how to manage people and incentivize people and understand sales and brand and marketing so what I don't have in football I have in other areas which will def- definitely benefit the club and yeah, really on the footballing side, I'm just learning as I go. I'm humble to admit that I don't know everything, but I'm also confident enough to say that perhaps we will have new ideas or there's certain approaches we'll take that'll be slightly different that might work for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest eye-opener for me is just how much stuff that goes into running a club is unbelievable. Match day alone, all the things you have to do on a match day, you know, from opening up to managing the car parking to taking you know, money for tickets to feeding the home and away team to paying the referees to getting the team sheets in. like this list is huge and that was a real eye-opener for me but yeah look I'm, I'm learning on the job um i'm happy with my progress we were uh, after a tough start we went defeat draw defeat we were, uh, we're on back-to-back wins and i'm hoping for another win tomorrow excellent in, in fact uh, the first defeat was that 6-1 um yeah you, but, perfect oh, well. right well, it can only yeah. go upwards from there, can it? So uh, <laughs> it was. It was that like uh, that. Have you ever seen the film, the South Park movie? Oh, I have vague recollections of watching it. But, so go so, on. <laughs> so they get all they get all excited because they're going to see the uh, Terence and Philip movie, and they're skipping along the road. They're singing, they're dancing, and they get to the front row. Uh, they get to the kiosk, and they say, four oh, tickets to Terence and Philip." And he says, "No." And it was just felt like that kind of moment, like all this excitement. <laughs> All this build up, and like, ah, oh, shit, we just lost six one. But you yeah. know, that was fine. It, it, I mean, you've acquired the club, but you haven't had any chance to have your, you know, put your footprint on the club or make any changes. We, we're doing that now. We've made some changes. We've, you know, we brought in new manager. We've brought in assistant manager. We've brought in a physio. We've brought in new equipment. We've changed how certain parts are being run. Uh, we've invested in the team and, and now what you're seeing is some momentum building two two good results especially on the weekend I mean we won 4-0 against the team who are you know, four places above us and that was at their ground and I think that was a real statement result it w- wasn't the best performance sure. uh, but we won 4-0 and, and 
you know, I'm starting to have that kind of impact on the team from what I've done uh, in terms of giving them what they need, but also the team, uh, yeah, this isn't me taking credit because, you know, the, ma- the managers have done a great job assembling some, this team, you know, taking from what we had previously, bringing in some new players and, you know, giving them a vision for the football they want to see uh, played on the pitch. Great. I mean, just to that end then, I mean, uh, I believe that um, up until now, um, the players were, were not being paid, but um, based on the revenue you can bring to bear, um, you potentially might be able to bring in players who uh, you may be paying, you know, who may be of a slightly higher calibre uh, and, and potentially even pay or incentivize um, the existing squad members as well. Is that something you're moving to now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> there's a bonus structure in now if we win every player uh, and the match day squad gets a bonus and that's whether you are a playing or non-playing sub, uh, we pay everyone. Yeah, it's, we don't right. choose. Uh, and that's that's the that's the money I'm happiest to give out every week. I would love to pay that bonus every single week. I want to give them that money. I've told them. But we have uh, strikers who've got goal bonuses. We've got a uh, goalkeeper who's got a clean sheet bonus. And yeah, we've got a paid squad now from a team that wasn't paid before and yeah it's something i'm really tough to do it's, it's good that these people can get earn money playing football they, they get to do what they like and they get paid for it but it also means is we can attract players into the club and we signed three players today we've signed uh, ahmed adullah marvin hamilton and conor Ocus, all experienced footballers who've played at higher levels from where we are we were able to attract them into the club not only because we can afford their wages but also that they're excited by the project we're doing. And there's one one other player I was on the phone to before this, just trying to convince him to come over. It's like the final piece. There's one more player we want. And hopefully he'll he'll sign and and I think we'll have the, the squad we need for the rest of the season. Great. Sounds good. Um so you know, you are obviously very ambitious in terms of your plans for uh, the club and uh you know potentially, you know, you'd like to get it up to the football league. Now, in order to achieve this, are you prepared and able to meet the likely financial commitment it will take to elevate Bedford FC to the upper echelons? Are, are, are you, to what extent are you prepared to speculate in order to accumulate is the point? Or do you think your model that you're putting in place won't you require you to do so and it will essentially be self-sustaining? Yeah, no, look, firstly, I have no intention of personally losing any money on this um, oh. You know, I will, I'm buying the club and that I'm making an initial cash investment. But the majority of the investment I'm making is my time and in some ways my reputation. You know, I'm going out with quite bold statements trying to get people behind this and trying to get people to support this. And if I don't deliver, it's going to be you know, embarrassing. So I'm putting a lot of you know, personal reputation on the line here and, and my time. I mean, I get up at six in the morning and most evenings I'm working until midnight. I'm doing everything I can to make this this happen. But uh the speculate to accumulate is probably what I think is the biggest problem in football is spending the money you don't have to try and achieve something. And if you fail, I mean, I think the expectation is, oh, if we get these players in, if we manage to just make promotion, then we'll get these new revenues next year. But how often have clubs failed at that? I mean, look at the state of Derby now. That's an absolute oh, yeah. scandal what's happened over there. You're mm. reading about a tough time. Barry. So, I mean, it feels like every single club outside of those top Premier League teams have had financial trouble at some point and i think that's the problem is the speculative accumulate i'm not interested in that i want to build something which is sustainable which is this new financial model where uh, like i say hashtag i've done it forest green have where 
people are building teams around an idea and that idea gives them a, a commercial opportunity. Sure. Um, now, in, in terms of um, the club itself and the decision to go for a club in Bedford, um, to what extent was that decision made before you decided to look around that it had to be a club in or around Bedford? Uh, was, was there any consideration given to looking a bit further afield? Um, no. To what extent was it all about you know, doing something for the town, the community that you've grown up in? Yeah, there was no consideration. It was always going to be Bedford. That, that was the only option. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this. It's right. Um, the, it's one of these things where you realize, like, if this is successful, the, the the good times will be amazing, and if it isn't, the bad times will be awful. Uh, and I'm putting it all on the line with this. And you know, I, like I said, reputationally, I'm I'm going out and I'm trying telling people in the town that this is what I'm going to do. And if I fail, like I'll look like an idiot. Um, but but Bedford's been good to me, and, and I've been really fortunate in my career uh, that I want to give something back. And I'm not doing this for the money, even though as a business, this is already a very good business and could pay a lovely dividend at the end of the season if I wanted to, but I'm just not going to do that. Mm. Everything needs to go back into the club. This is about me wanting to do something for my town. If I, and Honestly, if I could bring league football to Bedford, I'd die a happy man because I, I feel like, you know what, I've had a good life, I've had a good career, and I've... I've been able to like leave an imprint for for the people of Bedford and you know, Bedford parts of Bedford are quite deprived. It, you know, it doesn't have a lot going for it. And I just think it'd be pretty cool to have a, a football league club here and you know, away fans traveling into Bedford, spending money here with the local businesses and helping uh, you know, bring economic uh, economic opportunity here. Excellent. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. As you say, uh, you know, if it, if it does manage to get into the EFL, then you know, certainly that that in itself will be great for jobs. Um, you know, with um, the local economy that's boosted around match day, not only for Bedford but for any club generally. Um, I mean, it, it does really mean and make a difference. So, you know, that 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 would be amazing if it were to happen. Um, so, I mean, it, it, going back to the kind of uh, optimization of this financial model, so. What what other opportunities do you see as being available um, to to give yourself an edge? So obviously, um, you know your your knowledge, expertise is around Bitcoin, but how do you think you can use that, leverage that to really benefit the club? Well, the Bitcoin leverage really is two things. It's firstly leveraging the audience I have. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually three things. It's leveraging the audience I have. If hundreds of thousands of people listening to my show every month, I can communicate to them about the club. I can, because Bitcoiners tend to get behind ideas. You know, and this idea of creating a football club around Bitcoin, they're going to want to support this. So if I can attract them in to follow the club, um, and I've got something like 70 registered international supporters clubs already from everywhere from Cambodia to New Zealand, all across the US. And hopefully on Saturdays, they'll get together and watch the games live that we're streaming and they'll buy shirts and merchandise. And that, that will support what we're doing. And I also can then leverage the companies within Bitcoin to sponsor, sponsor the club, which again, which is, is super useful. Um, and I, I think, I think the third area really is, is that I have, um, I, I, I've been really lucky with my career and I kind of stumbled across Bitcoin and, and came to an understanding of what it is and what it means. A lot of people don't. When they first hear about it, they're like, oh, it's a scam or it's 
it's a gamble or whatever, but I've really spent a lot of time over the last few years understanding money and how money works and what makes good money, what makes bad money. Come to this really understanding what good money is. And so I've switched my life, not actually, not even just my life, my other business. I, I run on what's known as Bitcoin Standard, which is about taking a low time preference with regards to money and being prudent and thinking years ahead rather than thinking for today. And if I can bring that to the club, you know, that kind of low time preference, thinking of the future, long-term plans, hopefully I can build a really healthy, sustainable football club, which does things differently from all other clubs. Um, I'd ideally like to bring in, I think a lot of people want to invest in the club at the moment. And yeah, if I could bring in that investment and hold it in Bitcoin for you know, five to 10 years without even spending it, there's a chance that by the time we do look at that treasury, we're sat on a very kind of healthy uh, cash position when most other clubs are really in debt, you know, we would be a well-capitalized you know, a club without any debt. And that would put us in a really strong position by the time we're looking to get into the league. So I think that's the kind of range of things I can bring in because of Bitcoin. Right, right. And, and just so in terms of the practicalities of uh, the operations of the club, um, would it even work to the extent of, you know, a fan being able to purchase I don't know, a hot, do- hot dog and a drink with Bitcoin, paying players with Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, even acquiring players from other clubs. Is that how you kind of see it panning out perhaps? So we, we're not going to use any other cryptocurrencies. Anyone I care about is Bitcoin. Um, right. We're also not going to force it down people's throat because Bitcoin people can be really annoying. You know, we always want to tell everyone, why this is the best money and why you should care about it. And it can be, it can get annoying. Um, so we're not going to force it down anyone's throat. No one's going to be forced to be paid. No one's going to be forced to use it. That said, we will have Bitcoin point of sale at the grounds if Bitcoin people come along and they want to pay in Bitcoin, they can. Uh, one of the players we signed today actually said, can I be paid in Bitcoin? And yeah, we will pay him in Bitcoin. And yeah, we will use Bitcoin with anyone who wants to use it, but we're not going to force anyone because we know how annoying that is. One thing we will be doing for next season, though, what we're thinking of doing on home games on a Saturday is a couple of hours before the game starts, holding a Bitcoin meetup. So if anyone is intrigued by it, wants to learn about it, they can come down and, you know, we'll run a session to teach people about Bitcoin. And and that isn't about teaching people how to buy it and investing it because you have to be very careful investing in this asset. It is a tricky asset to get your head around, but we will be teaching people about the history of money, what makes good money, what makes bad money, explaining, you know, inflation, where inflation comes from, explaining hyperinflationary events, in countries such as that we've seen like Venezuela or, or even just high inflation countries like uh, uh, Argentina and Lebanon and Turkey and, and why that happens and therefore why Bitcoin matters. And yeah. I mean, there's a whole lot more to Bitcoin. I'm just touching the surface now, but I'm always interested in teaching people about what good money is and, and why Bitcoin is good money. And so, yeah, we'll be running those sessions at the club. That sounds really interesting. Excellent. So uh, I'm sure that'll do well. Um, now, I mean, obviously, through your work with podcasting and uh, social media, you know, you've built up a very vast network when it comes to uh, Bitcoin. Um, are you looking to use those connections, those kind of friendships that you've built up to help support and enhance the work you'll be doing with Bedford? Um, is that something that is already happening? Yeah, that's already happening. I mean, firstly, with the sponsors. You know, I know all these companies personally, and I reached out to them. I said, look, I've got this crazy plan. I need sponsorship. I need support. Can you help me? And thankfully, a whole bunch of companies said, yeah, we love the idea. We're going to back you. We're going to support this. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 
everywhere I go, I'll be looking to pull in favors from friends, whether I'm here in the UK or when I'm traveling in the US. I mean, the US will be a big market for us. And I know some people won't like that. It's like, this is non-league football. It's about the locals. But I've got a vision for Bedford that I want to bring the opportunity to the town. If I can divert money from international sources that end up in Bedford and support the people of Bedford, I feel no shame in doing that. So yeah, I'm going to leverage every opportunity I can to grow awareness for Bedford, grow support for Bedford and, and push revenues towards it. Excellent. Sounds good. Um, so, I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of other clubs that have, you know, USPs around different characteristics. Um, so, you know, you look at a hashtag United, a forest green, even a Salford town um, that have done things in a different way. Obviously Salford town, brought in um, wealthy, famous former footballers and uh, one of their friends to buy up the club when it was in the lower leagues and have managed to elevate into into the football league now. Um, so I mean, to what extent have you looked at their models and what they do? Have you even at this stage reached out to them just to understand exactly how they've gone about, you know, doing business, scaling up as they progress through the, through the ranks? Is that something you've done as yet or will do, perhaps? Yeah, so I've, uh, I'm, I'm observing it all. I've watched everything about Salford City. Um, I've uh, been speaking to the people over at Hashtag, uh, Spencer mm-hmm. Irwin. I've spoken to Ian over at Jersey Balls. I think, I think Hashtag and Jersey Balls are a little bit more, especially Hashtag, are more in line with what we want to do. I, I think that Salford still has a problem. That they have got the famous footballers bringing attention to it and they... You know, they do have that billionaire supporting it, but they have to invest hugely because I think they have the same problem that other clubs have is, you know, what is, how much revenue can they drive from sponsors and how much revenue can they drive from the local audience? And uh, I'm pretty sure that they are investing heavily and they're losing money at the moment to to deliver their project, which is fine because they've got a rich billionaire behind them. But if that tap ever turns off, what, what actually happens? I'm much more interested in what Hashtag are doing because they're building this new model around kind of esports and media and YouTube, which is bringing an international audience to them to support what's what they're doing. And I feel that's a lot more sustainable. Mm. So I'm, I'm uh, hopefully going to meet up with Spencer soon going to have a coffee with him and pick his brain. I feel, I feel a lot more aligned to them and, and it's going to be tricky for other clubs because other clubs are going to be looking at people like them and us and just they're thinking we're maybe a little, we're a little bit cringe or we're not proper football. Yada, yada. But like, so much of football is struggling on the financial side. I think new ideas are are important. We, you know, we do live in a you know, in a globally connected world. Media and social media is very important. So how do we use these to to leverage opportunity for you know our local town? And like I say, in the end, yeah. What I I say I say in the other states, something else. Like, well, what's the downside if if this is a successful project and we don't lose money and we bring economic opportunity in? you know, whatever those criticisms, insults come in, they'll just bounce off me because all I will do is I'll look around at our team and our ground and my local community and think, well, something good's happening here for Bedford. So I'll feel vindicated by it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's um, one of those things where, you know, m- many successful uh, innovations or ideas do attract critics and the, uh, no, obviously with Bitcoin, crypto more generally, there's been um, you know, people who complain about its environmental impact, and uh, you know others that refer to it as a scam um, or a bubble that will be bursting and uh, all that stuff. And 
you know that I've heard was, it all before yeah I've I'm sure you have it must be water off a duck's back by now but uh, <laughs> yeah yeah um but uh yeah I mean nonetheless um you know I, I think that the way that you describe the model it, it certainly sounds very interesting and certainly seems like one that can be very sustainable um but at the same time I think it's one that a, a lot of clubs further up the food chain will be keeping a close eye on as well because you know they traditionally have very conventional ways of generating money through match day through local sponsors sponsors and uh and if there are ways to leverage um revenue streams in other ways um, such as what you're looking to do in a more digital way um then i think they'll be keeping a close eye on on, on, on those proceedings well, the I weeks think the, um, years to come Sorry to interrupt you. I think the most unique thing we will be doing, which will be of most interest to other people, is that we're holding a Bitcoin treasury, and that is a long-term investment. If you believe in the thesis of Bitcoin, uh, the very simple thesis, it's a fixed limit currency. There's only 21 million, whereas mm. you know, the pound, the dollar, fiat currencies, they're, they're unlimited. The government can print as much of it as they like, and as they increase the money supply, they devalue it, they debase it. So the thesis of Bitcoin is that it's good money, that you can't do that. So we hold a Bitcoin treasury and over the coming years, the next four, eight, 12 years, if we're not spending that, then that should increase in value against the pound. Therefore, that should increase my purchasing power as a football club. And I think that's the most interesting thing that people should be looking at. I think that's the thing where down the line, other clubs are like, okay, I, huh, that's what they did. And, and somebody said to me once, well, what if somebody else did that? What if a massive club came in, like a Manchester United? Would you feel a little bit like, oh, they've stolen your thunder i'll be like no i'll be proud because mm. in the end like teaching people about good sound money is really important we're we're yeah, we're very like we've got high inflation in the country at the moment 5.4 percent and the us is at seven percent and they're like decade like multi-decade highs and that's considered bad go to argentina where it's like 55 percent, or lebanon and, and turkey where the currencies have absolutely collapsed Oh yeah, teaching people teaching people about sound money and giving that lifeboat to escape poor government monetary policy is is a really important thing to me. So, you know, I'm, I'm I think that's the most interesting thing that we're doing that the bigger clubs might look at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, just in terms of uh, crypto more generally, obviously your your Bitcoin through and through, but um, you know, crypto has crept into the uh, football market space, marketplace um, over the last several years, and a number of clubs can boast partners linked to crypto in, in some form or fashion, such as, you know, your socios, Binance, Polkadot. However, some yeah. of these sponsorship deals have drawn criticism from journalists and others, especially when it comes to fan tokens. Um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on the growing involvement crypto is having in football, um, and what's your take on the subject of fan tokens? Yeah, I mean, I hate them. I think I think they're gross. I think they're just ways to exploit fans, mm. to get them to buy something that they don't understand. Um, just because clubs are always desperate for more revenue because player wages are always high. But I think they're gross and disgusting. I think the majority of the crypto space is, yeah, like people should do what they want. And I'm, I'm a Bitcoin guy. I don't care about most of the other crypto. Some of them, like whatever, if you want to buy Ethereum or Solana, whatever, that's fine. I just don't have an interest in it, but fan tokens themselves, I think are particularly gross. Um, and I just think they're a way to exploit fans and I don't support them in any way. If you go on our Twitter profile and it says very specifically that oh, I've got a big like red circle with a line through it, no NFTs, no ICOs, no DAOs, no <laughs> fan tokens. We're Bitcoin only. I, I'm, these things that see 
we get lumped in with these guys and people think we're the same, but mm. we're not. We're, a, we're about sound financial planning and sound money and all these other things are, are, aren't. They're, they're, just, they're just companies in a different name. They're just slightly decentralized, permissionless ways of doing things. And you know, to some people, they're interested. I'm not saying they shouldn't exist. I just, I don't have an interest in them, but I just find fan tokens particularly gross. I do think they're exploiting fans and I think it's kind of sad, really. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, there are, you know, journalists out there that you know, do have written articles about um, some um, shocking stories relating to fan tokens. And uh, as a result of that, the whole, you know, way in which media likes to portray these things is to kind of apply this broad brush approach to all, all of this stuff is bad without applying any nuance to it. And so, well, actually, you know, some of it is ethical, some of it is perfectly sound, um, and some of it is a bit more uh, dubious. And, uh, you know, there's that nuance is certainly lacking there, and it's a bit of a shame, really. Yeah. But, uh, mm. Now, um, j- just looking at uh, bitcoin um so i mean it's taken a little bit of hit but i mean it is expected to you know rise back up and certainly that that is expected to be its long term long term trajectory um what do you see as the biggest threat to it in the long term though if any good government policy that's the biggest threat you know we need bitcoin because the government is so bad at uh managing money i mean you yeah. probably have a mortgage or rent and bills to pay every month and you have to keep to a budget. And if you go over your budget, maybe you take out a loan. If you don't pay that loan back, you lose your house. You have to balance your budget or you face the consequences of it. Mm. Government doesn't. The government, if they screw up, they spend too much money, they can just print more money. So they don't face any consequences for it. We saw it during COVID when they were closing down businesses and telling people they couldn't go to work. Everyone who worked for the government kept their job whilst other businesses fell and closed. The government faces no consequence they might get voted out, but the government as an institution faces no consequence for overspending. Who faces the consequence for government overspending? We do. When they overspend and they increase the money supply, we have inflation. Products and goods and services get more expensive. I mean, even at the 5.4% quoted inflation rate, it's much higher than that. It's probably nearer 10 to 15%. We all pay for their mistakes. We all face the consequences of that. And that's a really important thing that I, I think we have to get across to, across to people. And that's why Bitcoin is important. And yes, it's volatile. Uh, but the thing I would be saying to people, Bitcoin was created and released in the most honest way possible. And what we're doing is we're currently 13 years into a project that is repricing money and it's repricing this financial asset. And there's speculation involved in that. It's people speculating, will this be the you know standard money for the world? Will this, how, how people, uh, uh, will this be, be the kind of, gold standard 2.0 and and when you're repricing an asset and it goes from zero to a trillion dollar market cap in just over a decade you you have to expect some volatility yeah totally uh but you know the 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 kind of long-term prospects are good purely because of the fact that you know many most governments if not all um are certainly not very strong economically Um, and uh, certainly when we have changes of government that that also uh, doesn't help either and so you know that that sort of thing certainly benefits um well it certainly it, it is something that uh strengthens the argument for for bitcoin right well th- that's been absolutely brilliant peter thank you so much um for talking to All us right. about um the club um so for any of our listeners if they wish to find you on social media or, or your podcast where can they find you 
Well, firstly, thanks for having me. We, we didn't really get a chance to talk about Liverpool, which uh, I was excited to talk about. I was at the Palace game on the weekend, but maybe maybe we'll do that another time. But Absolutely. thanks for having me on. Uh, if people want to follow me, I'm uh, on Twitter at Peter McCormack, which is my name, or you can follow the club at Real Bedford. And if you want to check out my podcast, it's called What Bitcoin Did. Excellent. Many thanks, Peter. Thanks for joining. And uh, listeners, I'll be back in just over two weeks' time as the Deloitte Football Money League report will be published and uh, I'll be taking you through the Liverpool Financial uh, Football Club financials uh, for the first time. So I really look forward to that. Until next time, thanks for joining me right here on Money Talks. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.